Well, happy, uh, happy summer in Montreal. Uh, it goes from winter snowing like last week to summertime, and then something interesting happens in the downtown location. Uh, half the church just leaves. It's like, if you know about the rapture, uh, that's kind of it. This is, if you, you're like, rapture, don't worry about it. Like, don't even look it up, all right? But uh, all of a sudden, people are like, oh, vitamin D. Did you know you can get vitamin D pills that you can take all throughout the year? Uh, they cost a little bit of money. But in all seriousness, uh, what usually happens is that we have our students that half our church downtown is students. We're four different locations. Uh, we have a church in the South Shore, West Island, NDG, and Verdun, and uh, in downtown. And so our students are, are gone on summer break, and people are vacationing and all that. So if this is your first Sunday here, and you're like, where is everyone? Did someone miscount? Why did people put out so many chairs? Uh, that this is our reality. See, so Every week, we might take out a row of chairs, which might mean you might be sitting like right here. Like, we might only have a front row by the end of the summer. But then something happens in September, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, the rapture wasn't real. Like, and everyone just comes back. You know, it's like a big festival. So anyway, uh, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Like, moms, your, your role uh, is outstanding. Uh, I am just so amazed. I mean, I get to watch my wife uh, be a mom. Uh, I, I have a mom. Uh, and man, the stuff that I put my mom through, right? I'm just like, and I continue to put her through. I send her a meme for Mother's Day, right? <laughs> like, and it's like a guy dressed up like a woman with a big beard. I'm like, happy Mother's Day. Uh, but anyway, happy Mother's Day. Uh, what, what's so interesting about the book of Proverbs, which we're going to be in for the next eight or nine weeks, is that... Um, all the personifications uh, throughout this book are of women, of women. And we're going to get to see this morning a very wise woman and a foolish woman. But I love, we're going to actually talk about Proverbs 31 uh, toward the end of our, our series, which is the last chapter in Proverbs. And it is this woman that is just getting stuff done. Like she is this incredible uh, woman and it's a picture of um, all kinds of things. I'm not going to get into Proverbs 31 this morning. That's a different sermon. But, um, but I just want to say, like, women, God has made you, all women, moms, not moms, whatever, God has made you with a very distinct purpose, with a very distinct role, that you are not a second-class citizen. You are not a, uh, a first-class citizen. You are a citizen in his kingdom, right? You are beloved. You have all honor and dignity and worth. And so sit in that. Don't listen to what the culture says about you as women. Listen to what God says to you as a woman. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a beloved daughter of the King. So you are so loved this morning. Uh, let me pray and then we'll get into Proverbs 9, which Toby read for us. Uh, let me pray. Jesus, thank you that you are here. You are with us. So often, um, it, it's easy to forget that reality. Uh, we think because we're here and we're hearing about you, that, that you're somewhere else, but you're right here. You're with us. You're ministering to us. You have, I have things to say, and yet you have things to say on top of or deeper than the things that I'm saying. So I'm just going to ask you, would you take over my words and make them your words? Would you speak directly to people's hearts? Would you comfort in places where comfort is needed? Would you convict in areas where conviction is needed? But most of all, would you take our, our eyes off of ourselves? We're so we're this navel-gazing society 
Even as a church that we keep looking at ourselves and thinking about ourselves and we think the world revolves around us and yet it just doesn't. We belong to a greater story than the story of me. We belong to the story of you and we, we want to understand our, our part and our place in that story. So would you speak to us? We love you and need you. Amen. All right, so a little survey to start this out. Uh, who woke up this morning hoping, you know what, today, May the 8th, I really want to destroy my life today? Oh, good. All right, I was hoping no one would raise their hand, because uh, then it would be awkward if someone did. It, no, one, no one really does that, right? Probably very few in this world today set out, or are setting out today to figure out how they can destroy their lives. But it happens, it happens. Today will be the start of someone's destruction somewhere in the world. And usually it's a few bad decisions. Now, sometimes destruction happens to us. We can't control those circumstances. So think about abuse, right? No one sets out that happens to you. That has traumatic impact. And I'm so sorry if that's what you've gone through and are going through. But so often we end up abusing ourselves through a few bad decisions that we make one day that lead to a whole, um, a whole list of circumstances throughout the rest of our life that we're, we're led to, to deal with. Let me tell you a very brief story uh, about Breaking Bad. How many of you have seen that? This is like confession time now, right? Some of you are like, I don't know if I should raise my hand for that or not. But uh, Breaking Bad, I'm not going to ruin it for you, um, but... It's been out for a while, so you, if you're going to watch it, you probably should have seen it by now. But the, the whole story starts out by this, I haven't seen it in a while, but I think this chemistry teacher, and uh, he finds out that he has a certain sickness, and he wants to make sure that his family is taken care of. And so he figures out that he can kind of make meth. And things just get really bad from there. And that one decision that, okay, I'm going to make one batch to take care of my family to make sure that they're all set for after I die just turns into like him becoming this drug lord overseeing the world. And he justifies all these bad decisions like melting people in acid and like it just gets really bad, really, really bad. But he probably didn't wake up thinking, how can I destroy my life today? He woke up, got a cancer diagnosis and then said, how can I take care of my family, with no morals or ethics in front of me. And his whole life was absolutely destroyed. I don't think it's a true story, but anyway. But none of us want destruction. So because we don't want destruction in our lives, we, we seek wisdom. In fact, we long for wisdom. All of us do. Some of us search in wrong places, though, for, for wisdom. But where do you go for wisdom? Someone shout it out. Where do you go for wisdom? The what? Your dad? Is that because your dad's here? Yeah, that's cool. It's Mother's Day. You should have said mom, Evan. Mom. <laughs> Yell it out. Parents, right? Parents. Where else do we go? Teacher? Is that what you said? Mom. Mom is teacher, right? All about mom. All right, yeah. So we go to our parents. We have mentors in our lives. Uh, many of us listen to podcasts, not just to waste time, but because we're looking for actual wisdom. Uh, some of us subscribe to master classes. I love the master class with Chris Voss, right? If you don't know who he is, you can look him up later. Um, counseling. We go to counseling because um, we want wisdom in our life. We're attracted to it. Wisdom is something that we're actually attracted to because we don't want to destroy our lives. We don't want to destroy ourselves. 
Um, unfortunately, we have so much content coming at us, often through social media, that we confuse awareness with wisdom. We confuse awareness with wisdom. Uh, Matt Smethurst uh, says this, addiction to social media will make you aware of everything and wise about nothing. And so instead of getting wise, we're trying to get aware so that if we actually get invited to a non-masked dinner party, which can start next week, by the way, right? Uh, you might get invited to one of those. We have something to say. But so often we're just sharing facts with one another, not actually sharing wisdom because we're addicted to facts. We're addicted to input. We're addicted to dopamine. And dopamine doesn't necessarily come from wisdom. Dopamine or wisdom comes through rather uh, discernment. It comes through humility, and it comes through patience. And social media is not pushing those three values. Very few social media posts say at the top, please take time to discern this, whether this is true and accurate. It's like, share, let everyone know as quick as possible. Let's get the news out, right? But wisdom takes discernment. Is this true? Why are they saying this thing? It takes patience, and it takes humility to say, I might not be right about these things. But what wisdom does, what the book of Proverbs is, is it orients us in a certain direction. So you think about a compass. You want to find out, like I grew up hunting with my dad. And the first thing he taught me as like a four-year-old was how to read a compass. And like walking with my dad as a six-year-old out of the woods and showing him the way that we were going. Because I knew when we came in, we came in west. And so to get out, you have to go which direction? East. Good job. You guys are, I bet your mom taught you that, right? Okay. But this book acts like an orientation. It acts as our, our due north, that this is the way that we're supposed to go. So in, in honor of Mother's Day, uh, I didn't actually line this up this way. It just happened. But we're going to meet two proverbial women. No pun intended at all, right? But we're going to meet two proverbial ladies. And both are going to offer out wisdom. They're both going to say, I'm giving you wisdom. And both are appealing in different ways. Both are appealing in different ways. But the content that they're, they're giving to us is eternally different. The content that they're giving has eternal ramifications based on following one over the other. Now, we haven't gone through Proverbs 1 to 8. We just went Proverbs 1 to 3 last week, jumping into Proverbs 9. We're not going through the whole book. Um, we just don't think it's necessary because so much of Proverbs is like copy-paste, but in different ways. You're going to see verses in all kinds of different places about similar things. You're like, I thought I read that three or four chapters ago. So what we're trying to do with Proverbs is give you a big picture of what Proverbs is trying to say. And Proverbs 1 to 8, if you don't have a Bible, by the way, um, you could actually take out your phone and find an app for that. But as you're leaving today, or even right now, you could get up and go grab a Bible in the back. It's not stealing. If you take a Bible from us, if you take my Bible from me, it is stealing. I'll probably give it to you, but I'll kind of be upset because then I have to buy a new one or I'll just take one on my way out. I don't know. But Proverbs is right in the middle, okay? And Proverbs 1 to 8 um, gets us ready for these ladies. And Proverbs 9 is the climax of the first nine chapters of Proverbs. Then Proverbs 10 is going to turn into, um, and, and I'm not diminishing this, but it turns into like a series of tweets for a really long time, giving you lots of different aspects of wisdom. 
So let me just get in. That was a really long introduction. I knew all the moms wanted that. My wife was like, Dwight, could you please, for Mother's Day, bless me with a long introduction, and you're welcome. So um, I always come through, baby. Uh, so uh, Proverbs 9, 1 to 2 says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. All right, so a few things on, on these two verses, okay? The seven pillars. Seven pillars to a house would tell us two different things. One literally means this would have been a really big house. To have seven big pillars like this holding up a house would have meant that there's a lot of room. It's not just for lady wisdom, it's for others. And we'll look at that in a little bit. But Proverbs is also giving a lot of symbolism. Now, next year, all right, let me get you ready for next year. Next year, we're going to go through the book of Revelation. Yay, exciting. It's going to be amazing. Uh, the number seven is all throughout Revelation. Seven is the number of perfection, completeness, fulfillment. And so not only is the author of Proverbs saying that this woman has a big house and it's done, but also the contents, what's in this house, is perfect, right? So we're getting into some, some symbolic stuff. So what's inside is going to be really, really good for you and I. She's also throwing a feast, meat and mixed wine at the table. Now here's the thing. Remember I said at the beginning that the author of Proverbs is talking about women way more than men. Now slaughtering animals was typically a man's job back in these days. Hey, man, go slaughter. I, I shall cook it when you're done slaughtering. Like you get all the blood, I'll remove it. That type of thing. But this woman is countercultural. This woman's like, I'll take care of the beasts. Like, I'll take care of this. So what the author of Proverbs wants us to see about Lady Wisdom is that she's not like any other woman. She's countercultural. She's, she's not the way of the world and the way that things just normally go. And women, it doesn't mean you need to be slaughtering beasts if you don't want to, okay? This isn't a prescriptive thing. But it's showing us that she's not like the world. And this mixed wine that she's made, this isn't a diluting of wine. It's more like a mulled wine. It's this idea that it's becoming even more savory than it was before, right? She's putting out all of the fixings in her house. And she has a table there. Ta most people didn't eat at a table. They would eat lying down on the ground, like lounged out, maybe laying on one another even. You see this in Jesus's time as well. So having a table meant that she was elite. Really big house, really good feast, amazing wine, and a table to welcome people into. So what the author of, of Proverbs is showing us is that this lady wisdom has unparalleled hospitality potential and substance to give away. But so far, we, we just see her all by herself. But wisdom isn't something to be hoarded. Wisdom isn't something to be hoarded. Jesus, when he, when he met with his disciples for the final time, right, what did he do? He sent them into the world with the contents, the wisdom, and the spirit that, that he had. And then was giving to them to be able to go and share. Wisdom isn't meant to, um, to be kept just to ourselves. It's not meant to be kept in our house. It's something that we are supposed to be sharing with others. But how is this wisdom with Lady Wisdom enjoyed? How can people find a place? How are they going to find her house? She, there's no Facebook marketplace where she can just be like, hey, I've got a feast happening, mulled wine, come on over. That's not how it worked. How are people going to figure out that there's this big thing happening? 
Well, in chapter 9, verse 3, it says, She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. And we'll look at what she calls in just a second. But she knows, Lady Wisdom knows that we in the town need her. That we living the way that we're living on our own is not sufficient. She knows that we need to be a part of her house, a part of her household, enjoying her feast, enjoying her hospitality. But who's going to get the invite? Who's going to get the invite? Listen to verse 4 to 6. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine I have mixed, leave your simple ways, and live and walk in the way of insight. The way into Lady Wisdom's life is not by holding your little diploma. It's not by flashing your GPA. It's not by wearing your little honors thing that you wear when you graduate. It's not showing all your experience. The way into Lady Wisdom's house is need. That I am needy. That I don't have what it takes. I don't have the wisdom within me to be able to make it. The way into Lady Wisdom's life is through need. You see, wisdom grows in the soil of humility. Wisdom grows in the soil of humility. And here's here's good news for you this morning. You aren't sufficient. You are not a good captain of your life. You can't hold it all together. Because your one decision, either your decision or the decision of someone else from having your life completely altered. I didn't even tell you about this yesterday, Jess. But anyway, I was driving. I was teaching a class yesterday. And I was at an intersection and completely checked out, thinking about whatever. All of a sudden, light turned green. Like, I was a slow guy. Usually, I'm like waiting. I'm like looking. As soon as it's going to turn green, I'm ready to go. But I was hesitant. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's green. So I start to go. Just as I'm starting to pull out, this car goes flying through the intersection, through a red light, right in front of me. And I'm like, I guess I honk, but she's already kind of gone. Like, I felt better about myself. But in that moment, I'm like, I am, I am not sufficient. You know, you're like a half a second away from not existing anymore. That I can't even keep myself safe necessarily on, on the roads. Right? We think that we can manage everything in our lives perfectly, but you can't. You're a really bad God. Happy Mother's Day. You're a bad God. You can't do it. You can't do it. You're a real, if you're a mom, you know that you're a really bad God for your kids. You can't even provide everything that they need. Dads, you're up in a month, right? <laughs> we're not sufficient, are we? And when we're honest with ourselves, we know that. We don't show up at Ladies Wisdom's house with our, our stunning good looks and our biceps and our GPA and why we should be let in. Lady Wisdom is looking for those who don't have it all together. She says, come. You who can't provide for yourself, come and eat. Come, enjoy my stuff. Don't work really hard to, oh, hey. Do you know what's annoying? Is when you invite someone over your house, I'm like, I don't think this has ever happened with anyone in this room, but if you're offended, I'm sorry. Happy Mother's Day again. Um, But you invite them over and they're like, what can I bring? And you're like, nothing. You can bring nothing. And they bring something anyway, right? And the worst case of this that ever happened was, okay, so I grew up in the States. And 
And, you know, I'm a Canadian as well. But Canadians, I'm so sorry you don't know how to do Thanksgiving. You just don't. American Thanksgiving is one of the most legit holidays. And I think the world should just adopt, right? You don't need to be thankful for the U.S. Forget that. But, like, you just need to adopt the way that they do Thanksgiving. It's amazing. You celebrate on Thursday. Like, you eat so much food that you can't really wake up on Friday. Just short of gluttony, okay? And then you apparently go shopping, and then you get like a four-day weekend, and you watch football with people that don't even like watching football. Anyway, we were going to help our neighbors celebrate American Thanksgiving, and they were an Iranian couple, a Filipino couple, and uh, a Mexican couple. And I said, okay, guys, you can't, you can't bring anything, right? Please don't bring anything. We just want to provide American Thanksgiving for you. And they brought dishes from their nations. And I joked with them, and I'm like, well, you guys kind of ruined Thanksgiving. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, because adobo chicken doesn't go with turkey and gravy. Like, adobo chicken on its own is one of the most glorious things in all of the world. But with turkey and taters and gravy, like, it just doesn't work. If you try and bring your stuff and add it to Lady Wisdom's spread, you're going to ruin it. You're going to ruin it. You try and bring your stuff to what God has given because Lady Wisdom is really a picture of who God is. You try and bring your stuff to God and say, look, you go to the cross and you say, look, Jesus, what I'm contributing. I showed up at a church service. I'm helping you. You're ruining what he's doing for you. Us adding actually takes away from what is given to us. See, Jesus stood up at a feast. Let me read to you from the book of John. John chapter 7. Jesus stood up at a feast one time. And this would have been an extremely awkward moment. Really, really awkward. This is like a food court. Everyone's there to celebrate a birthday or something. And then Jesus just stands up and says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, Let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If anyone thirsts, don't come to me with your little water and I'll purify it. Just come to me. Don't come to me with your your bottle ready. Like, just come to me. I'll take care of you. I will make sure that, that your thirst is quenched and satisfied. But entering in... So you can't add anything to Lady Wisdom's table. But entering into her house and into this life really requires submission. We don't like submission, do we? We don't like commitment, do we? It's it's weird, isn't it? Like for so much of time, uh, our society hasn't had a hard time with commitment. And yet the past few generations, we really, really struggle with commitment But when it comes to Jesus, people have struggled with commitment since he was inviting them to to leave everything and follow him. This call from Lady Wisdom, dine on my food, eat my food, really means you need my teaching. You need my teaching. Your life in and of itself is not enough. Your, Your undergrad from McGill, your PhD from Concordia, like that is not enough. That's information. That's stuff you've learned, but it's not necessarily wisdom. I've met a lot of PhDs that aren't very wise. 
And I've met a lot of people who haven't graduated from secondary school that are oozing with wisdom. Wisdom is not something that a piece of paper gives to you. And Jesus is saying, I want to give it to you. I want to give you my wisdom. And I don't just want to give it to you like, here's, here's the book, but I want to put it in you. I want you to chew on it, to enjoy it, because it's good. You see, Jesus isn't an a la carte. He's not a, oh, I like these, and I, I like cucumbers, and I don't like radishes, and I want some onions, and I like pork, but I don't like it. Like, that's not Jesus. You don't get an a la carte. You get a, well, it used to be more this way with our first three kids. With our fourth kid, it's kind of turning into an a la carte thing. But it used to be like, you're going to eat, we're just tired. You know, we're tired, right? But it used to be, you're going to eat everything on that plate. That's it. If you're there till like 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, that's it. Now it's like, well, just try and eat something, right? But with Jesus, it's this is what's best for you. It's not what you want. It's not according to what your taste buds are at this moment. It's what's best for you. You get all of him. Let me read you another awkward encounter. If you track with Jesus at all, you just see how strange he is at times to the culture. Sometimes when we... uh, When we're talking about preaching, we're like, hey, we want to make it really relevant to people and help them understand and yet bring it to Jesus every time. But oftentimes, Jesus wasn't trying to be relevant. He was trying to set something out there to say, do you still want to follow me? Are you sure you want to follow me? Do you really want me or do you want your version of me? So Jesus said one time in uh, John chapter 6, verse 53, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, Jesus is the Son of Man. Unless you eat my flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Can you imagine if we put together this little evangelism event? We're like, yeah, we're having this guy Jesus come, and so excited, and he stands up, and he's like, anyone want to eat my flesh and drink my blood? Put your hand up now. It's like, oh, Jesus why did you start with that? Why couldn't you have just said Happy Mother's Day? Right? Like, at least bring them in a little bit. And he keeps going. My flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father, God the Father, sent me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And then verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. See, we don't get wisdom from Jesus. It always feels good. Sometimes we change churches or we look for a different religion or a different philosophy that just makes me feel good. I feel warm and fuzzy and so excited. And that's just not what Jesus is going to do. He's not going to give you the warm fuzzies all the time. But he's going to give you the wisdom that leads to life. He's going to give you real life. Other philosophies and religions, they they say, yeah, life can probably be found in these things, but Jesus says with certainty, I am the resurrection and the life, and I give myself to you. So after Jesus does this this bang-up sermon, look what happens, verse 67. So Jesus, imagine, everyone leaves. 
Like more people left then than leave in the summertime, you know, here, right? Everyone leaves. And you can just imagine Jesus watching them walk away. Is it something that I said? (laughs) Verse 67, Jesus looks at the 12 and said, do you want to go away as well? Do you want to leave? This is what you signed up for. This is what I called you into. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus, you're the only legit one. And even though we might not understand what you just said, we don't have anywhere else to go. We believe that you're it. So we're in it to win it with you. We have no other option. You see, in wisdom that Jesus gives at times, also often feels like surgery rather than a big hug. Feels like surgery rather than a warm hug. Because Jesus loves you so much that he's not going to leave you the way that you are. He's going to change you. And all change is painful. All change. Because something in you has to die. If you want to become someone who um, exercises every day, laziness has to die. You want to be someone that eats uber healthy and just has one bowl of Captain Crunch a day. Uh, During COVID, when I had COVID, I have not eaten Captain Crunch since I was like 15 probably. All I wanted to eat was Captain Crunch. Right? Some of you lose your taste buds. I got a taste bud for Captain Crunch. Right? I don't know where, I don't know where that came from. But change, right? Change always hurts. Change always hurts because it's a putting to death the old for the new. But Jesus loves us enough to tell us the, the wisdom we didn't know that we needed. Say that again. Jesus loves us enough to give us the wisdom that we didn't know that we needed. This is the most loving thing you can do. Imagine that you, um, right, most of you have been with us. You know that my dad passed away last year. A few years ago, we got this cancer diagnosis. He had pancreatic cancer. But imagine that you get a diagnosis of of cancer. I hope that just doesn't happen. But you get this, or, or cancer's in you, rather. It's happening in you, but you don't know it yet. And you have these two doctors that are seeing these spots all over, all over the map. And one doctor is saying, yes. You have cancer, and we need to operate. We need to start chemo or radiation or surgery. We need to go after that. Are you going to look at that doctor and say, you unloving doctor, you want to open me up and pull something out? You want to make me go through pain where I lose hair and I lose weight and I can't feel my fingers and my toes anymore and I can't talk this, like, how cruel of a person are you? That's one doctor. But you have the other doctor who says, you know what, it seems like she's living a really good life. Let's not tell her. Let's not tell her what's going on. Which one of those doctors is more loving? The first. And which doctor is going to put you through more pain? The first. They care about you so much that they're willing to to put you through agonizing pain and see you suffer so that you can live. Jesus loves you so much 
that he will allow for you to experience certain things of pain in your life. He will remove certain things that were so dear to you so that he can bring you real life. You see, with Jesus, he will will allow us to be hurt, but it's all from love. Will you enter into Lady Wisdom's house? Will you enter in? You're like, well, I was with you, the feast, mulled wine, but then you got to that pain part. I don't know if I'm with you anymore. All right, okay, is there another option? Yeah, there is. Let's get into that. So there's two women. You have Lady Wisdom, and then you have this this woman, Folly. Woman, Folly. Uh, She gives the same invite, the same call as that Lady Wisdom does. Listen, uh, let me go back to Proverbs 9, verse 16. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Right, so she has a little house too. Probably a big house. She has a house. She's giving the same call. So you have multiple messages that are going on that sound so similar, but the real substance is very, very different. And I think probably, at first glance, woman folly probably looks a lot better. She's sitting outside. Lady Wisdom isn't outside. She's in her house. So at least you get to see what this woman looks like. She can seem a lot better. She can look a lot better. She could feel a lot better. But what's the outcome? What's the outcome? Well, when I was thinking about this this week, uh, woman folly seems like, you know, the housing market's crazy right now, right? People are buying, it's, I mean, the tax just went, went up or percentage rate just went up, so we'll see what happens. But people were overpaying so much for homes. Like, you put your home on the market in the morning, the afternoon, it's like gone. Like, and you get way more money for it. So imagine, housing market's crazy, you're in your house, my wife and I, we show up. We're like, we really like this house. And we have cash. You're like, oh, I like cash. I'm like, yeah, you do. And I'm like, so you're going to sell it for, you're going to sell this little, you know, one-bedroom condo for 800000 which is like silly, but that seems to be where we're going. It's like, well, I'll give you a million. I'm a pastor. I make tons of money. Uh, I'll give you a million, right? No big deal. Uh, just name it and claim it. It'll happen, right? Just, just joking. That's a joke. Cut it, right? That does, okay, that's not true. Uh, don't believe that. But, okay, we've, we've saved really hard. We've invested really hard. We have a million. We're going to give it to you. And, like, my wife comes in with briefcases and, like, drops them. And uh, that was my Mother's Day gift to her, and as well as a long intro. And she puts them down, and you open it up, and you're like, wow, all hundreds, amazing. Sign everything. Like, everything's legal, all done. You're, like, walking to a bank to have an awkward conversation with a banker of why you have all these. They're like, are you breaking bad? And like, no. You walk with the hundreds, you bring them in. They're like, wow, that's amazing. They start counting them and they're like, well, these, this isn't real money. This is all fake. What did you do? Like, well, I just sold my house. For what? For a million dollars. Like, you sold it for a million fake dollars. None of this is real. It's like, okay, well, I'll go back and get my house. It's like, the house is mine. What was in those briefcases were yours. That's yours to keep. Now you're left with no house, a lot of fake money. Maybe a depreneur will take it. I don't know. Um, What are you going to do? This is woman folly. Looks really good. Looks exciting. Looks enticing. Looks like it's going to give you something that beyond what you even thought. And yet the substance is not there. 
Proverbs 9.13 says, The woman folly is loud, she is seductive, and knows nothing. She is, not that she doesn't know anything at all, but she is morally ignorant, the commentator said. She knows nothing of ethics. She's, she's breaking bad down the line, right? This is her life. She has no conscience. She only knows a pleasure that destroys others and herself. This is what her knowledge and wisdom revolves around. But because people keep coming and showing up to her house, she thinks she's providing them with what they need. There's a mutual using that's happening. Right? We have this whole thing in our society about sexual encounters. It's like, well, as long as it's consensual. It's like, as long as you consent to use one another for your own pleasure and benefit, then it's okay. Our society is really okay with using one another as long as you agree that I'm being used. As long as you agree to it. We celebrate that in our culture. And this is what Women Folly is all about. All about. You use me and I'll use you. We won't really commit to one another. We won't be in it together. We'll just use one another for the benefit of ourselves. It says in verse 14 to 17, she sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. So they're going their way. They're going probably to Lady Wisdom's house. And she's like, hey, cutie. I don't know if that's what she says, or I don't know. But hey, you, hey, I'm over here. Look at me. Hey, hey, hey. Right? No, come over here. Come. She's distracting away from the way that people are going. She needs Lady Wisdom to survive. She needs Lady Wisdom to survive. She needs for people who are pursuing truth so that she can be like a parasite to that truth and call people away from it. She keeps going. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Uh, in chapter 7, we see... Um, we see a woman of the night, I shall say, right? Right, trying to keep my words nice, all right? Chapter seven, we, in literally, woman of the night, right? This is all happening at night. But now we see in, in verse nine that this, this type of stuff doesn't have to happen at night anymore. The whole culture is celebrating it. It's up on the high places where people would go and worship that they want to worship this type of lifestyle, this is affirmed by the culture. There's no more hiding. Simple people come in and enjoy me. But she's a siren. Are you familiar with that Greek mythology? Right? When, when sailors would go past where the sirens were, what would they do? Yeah, so if they didn't want to swim toward them and die, and <laughs> what would they do? Yeah, they would put wax in their ears and sometimes they would actually be tied up, Right? So that they couldn't do what they even felt like they wanted to do in that moment. She's a siren calling you to destruction. She is a lure. How many of you have gone fishing before? What's going to happen? What are you hoping happens when you throw a lure out there? That you catch a fish and maybe kill it and eat it. You're not probably hoping for its well-being. Right? The amount of fish that have just swallowed the hook and I'm just like, ah. 
right? I don't even want to eat you. <laughs> and you have to pull it out and you're like pulling out fish intestines and it's just not good. The whole point of fishing is to lure something that was swimming one way and is like, oh, I like brown, big, weird worms. I'll go after that thing. This woman has nothing legit to offer. The woman of folly and the unchaste woman throughout chapter 1 to 8, they're the same. Meaning that this woman's actually married. This woman's married. She's not supposed to give you herself. But she does. She has nothing legit to offer you. There's no commitment. She is making no commitment to you. Often the wisdom we pursue, we think, is going to finally bring us life, and it just doesn't. She says, stolen water and bread. Those are all sexual illusions, by the way. They're sweet and secret. But they don't last. And they're going to end up destroying your life. She has no meal, no wine, no table, no commitment. Nothing's going to last. And the person is caught and eaten. Devoured by going into her house. At the end, in verse 18, it says, But he does not know the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Thomas Brooks, a Puritan, I believe in the 1600s, said, Many eat that on earth that they digest in hell. Many eat that on earth that they digest in hell. That this woman is, is bringing you in not just to this empty meal, but into an eternal missing of everything that you were made for. My, my concern is how easily we, we go for that worm. How easily we turn away from, from the path. I'm reading the little, little kids version of Pil Pilgrim's Progress with our kids. And little Christian, if you haven't read the book, it's, it's phenomenal. But little Christian is on a journey to the celestial city. It's all allegory, right? And he's going and all the time people are trying to get him to turn. There's all these new different woman follies, right? It's a kid's version, so they don't call it that. But there are all these things trying to call them off, call little Christian off of the path toward the king, And every one of them wants to lead little Christian to destruction. They don't even know that they want to lead him there. But that's where they're going. And there's no love here. Lady Wisdom loves. Woman Folly has no love. So we end with this question, which lady do you choose? And you're like, oh, well, clearly I'm going to choose, you know, Lady Wisdom. Clearly. But is that true? Is that actually true? Which lady will you choose? Because it actually has to do with who you are. Your choice has to do with who you are. Are you a mocker or are you wise? Are you a mocker or are you wise? Let me read verses 7 to 12. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. He who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. If you're a mocker, here's what goes in, on in your mind. I know best. I know best. If you're a mocker, you resist authority. 
You resist the authority of, of the Bible. You resist the authority maybe of government. You resist the authority of God. You resist the authority of parents. You just resist authority. You're a mocker. You're a mocker. Mockers say, I have no need. The offer is, is, is made by Lady Wisdom and we reject it. Mockers reject. And you say, well, I'll make my own path. There's lady wisdom, there's woman folly, and then there's me. And I'm like, well, you're just woman folly version two. Right? You're just adding another lane to that highway. There is no third way. There is no third way. Right? And wisdom is sometimes painful, right? And here's the wisdom that we see in scripture. All paths do not lead to God. Not all spiritual, religious, philosophical paths lead to God. Jesus said the only way to God is through me. That's it. The only way to God is through me. Are you a mocker or are you wise? A wise person, according to this proverb, says, I know that I don't have what it takes. That's the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, reverence, awe, neediness on him. I know I don't have what it takes. I'm amazed by the offer that's given to me. And I want in. I want in. And when you get to the house, when you get to Lady Wisdom's house, and she says, why should I let you in? The wise person says, you can only let me in on your terms. You can't let me in because of anything that I have or am bringing. You can only let me in on your terms. And in the kingdom of God, the only way that you get to be a part of the kingdom of God is through trusting in what Jesus has done. That Jesus, being fully God, fully wise, in his wisdom, came to earth, took on flesh, became man, fully God, fully man, intentionally, in godly wisdom, went to the cross, intentionally died in your place, in my place, intentionally rose and got up out of the grave so that he could build this seven-pillar kingdom that would be big enough for anyone who wants to come in. That's the good news that we have because of Jesus. And to enter in, you have to receive his offer. You have to take it. You have to say, okay, I want that. I want you. I want forgiveness. I want to be a part of your kingdom. I want wisdom. And he will bring you in. It's for anyone. It's for anyone. Maybe it's for you today. Maybe you've never said, yeah, I need to be a part of the kingdom of God. I need to submit to Jesus in this way. Then today you can. They say, Jesus, I need you. What you did on the cross, that's for me. That's for my rebellion. Would you forgive me for that? And he will. And he, he invites you into his house. He invites you into his kingdom as not a second class person that needs to learn a lot of stuff now, but as a fully beloved member of the kingdom of God. And at that moment that you come in, there's no one more holy than you that's ever existed because he gives you his holiness. He gives you his inheritance. It's not something you earned. It's something that's given. Jesus said, and I'll finish with this. Jesus said, though, he told this story uh, at the end of a, a sermon that he gave. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. At the end, he talks about these two people that built their house in different places. And in essence, he says the, the wise person built their house on the rock. 
And the foolish person built their house on the sand. Now where would you rather live? Right next to the beach? Or up on the rock where you can see down on the beach? I, I would rather live on the beach. Right? You just kind of like tumble out of bed into the waves. You're like, this is awesome. This is amazing. Uh, I once took a, I was a youth leader, and I took a, a youth camping, and we climbed a mountain, and then I'm like, you want to you sleep? Like, we'll go, well, of course, we were going to sleep that night. I'm like, you want to go sleep on, on a beach? And he's like, yeah, but we found these rocks out in the water. You swam out to them a little bit, and we slept on these two rocks, and the water, like, came right there all night long, and he woke up. He's like, I am so sore, and it's like, I know, but you can just roll off the rock and go swimming. It was, it was amazing. But building your house in the sand is foolish. Why? Because when the tsunamis and storms of life come, you have no foundation. The foundation of your life is just eroded and sucked out with the undertow. Everything that you've invested in is gone. But if you build your house in the rock, a foundation, when the storms come and they beat against that, right? I grew up in Maine. We have rocky, rocky coasts. You have big, big houses built on the coast that have not collapsed because that rock is strong. It can, it can endure all of the powerful waves that come. And Jesus said, if you build your house in me, you can endure anything. The gates of hell can't touch you. Find your life in me. And we don't actually see whether we've built our life on, on wisdom or foolishness until the storms of life come. We can think that we're fine, but once the rug gets pulled out from under us, once a global pandemic comes, once we're alone by ourselves, we find out, I'm not, as, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. My life's not as secure as I thought that it once was. But Jesus took the storm that was coming on the cross, and he's the foundation that we can build our lives. So let me really end with this. Where do you go for wisdom? I know I'm a bit long this morning, but again, long sermons on Mother's Day are always welcome, I'm sure. Um, often we go for wisdom where our preferences are, right? How many of you listen to podcasts of people that you disagree with? You really should. You really should. You should listen to, to views of other people that you don't agree with because so often we build our wisdom in an echo chamber, Listen to what Matt Chandler said. Um, Our greatest hurdle in the time in which we live is not to get sucked into ideologies that are contrary to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ideologies are parasites that attach themselves to religious structures. You want to know what an ideology is? Look to the left or right of our political leanings. In the great scheme of the enemy, listen to this, the great scheme of the enemy right now is to lead us to hate people you should pray for and ask God to move in their lives. That's the work of our enemy. He wants to take the church and turn us on one another. He wants to take the church and turn us inward so that we look at others outside of the church that we disagree with and we say, boy, they're the problem. No, you're the problem. We've always been the problem. But Jesus came to rescue us so that we can now be part of the solution in proposing Jesus to anyone and everyone. So as we're on mission, as we're part of the church, let's make it our aim to be razor focused on Jesus. Right? You can have your politics, you can have your, your different little ideologies, but don't let them become preeminent. Those are women folly when they're ultimate. They will lead you away from Jesus. 
Every political ideology, ideology and wisdom structure falls short of what Jesus offers you. So, let me recommend a book to you, The Wisdom Pyramid. It's very simple. Uh, guy's name is Brett McCracken. It's a cool name, McCracken. McCracker, McCrack, whatever. And wisdom, uh, Wisdom Pyramid. But in this book, it's a good, um, just be something good to read alongside as we're going through Proverbs. But he says this Wisdom Pyramid, and he, he does a little illustration there, right? I brought an illustration for you all. Brian is here, Brian Stegner, one of my pastors. He's like, you don't use illustrations enough, Dwight. You, people need more visual stuff. And I'm like, here's my visual, right? Here's a pyramid, everyone look. Uh, at the bottom of a pyramid that has to be the biggest, this is for the Bible and prayer and the word of God and God himself, that we start our wisdom with him. Next is the church, right? Don't run to podcasts, go to the church God has gifted other people in the church to be a blessing and wisdom to you. So we start with God, then we go to his people. Then next is, is nature. There's so much wisdom in nature and natural theology, which I don't have time to get into. But if you read the book, he'll explain that well. Then we move to books. Then we move to beauty. And do you know what the last little top is that we go to for wisdom? The what? Guitar? Yeah, the guitar will speak to you. No. Now, guitar is beauty, right? Because it's beautiful. Um, but internet and social media, that's like the last itty-bitty thing. And yet, what do we turn to quickest when we want wisdom? So often, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's that we go to the internet, we go to social media. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and without him, all will be lost. We don't have... James, Jesus' brother said, he said in James chapter 4, he said, you don't have because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. Some of us don't have wisdom because we just don't ask for it. Would you ask him for wisdom? Would you ask him for what you need? Would you ask to be a part of Lady Wisdom's house? Would you ask to be a part of his kingdom? Would you ask him for what you need in every situation? And he is good and faithful to give you everything you need. In that situation. So let me pray and then we'll respond. Um, Jesus, thank you that you, you came to, to give us um, wisdom. Thank you that you came to be truly uh, true wisdom in the flesh. Thank you that you've given us a spirit of wisdom as well by sending your spirit to, to dwell within those who are followers of you. I want to pray for anyone who's here that is not yet a follower of you that today they would become that, that they would see their need for you and that they would say quietly where they are, Jesus, I need you. Would you rescue me? And you will. And you will give them that spirit of wisdom and understanding. I want to pray for those of us who have been going to. There's, social media is such a beautiful gift from you when used correctly. But when we go to that as our sole, um, our sole place of wisdom, uh, would you help us understand that we, we're not going to find it there? Would you help us to, to see that we need you? Would you help us to be more dependent on you and even your church? Would we ask for wisdom from one another uh, more than we just go to, to people randomly? Would we treat one another as counselors rather than just being so quick to run to a professional counselor that maybe you would give wisdom through us for one another? So Jesus, we love you and, and we really need you. Help us to respond well to what we heard today. Amen.
So we respond. I know you heard a lot, but now it's like, okay, we're going to respond to that. Maybe there's a lot of stuff going on in your heart. Um, you're working through, do I want to be a follower of Jesus? What's going on? Well, now's our time to, to work through that. So we're going to do that a number of different ways. I keep looking. This, the screen used to be here, right? But we're going to respond. Are there slides that go with this? Um, the first one is giving. So if you're a guest with us, uh, we're so glad you're here. Uh, we, let me inform you of this. Everything you own, right, the mask that you wear that you don't have to wear as of next Saturday, uh, that's God's. Everything you own is his. And he calls his people to be good stewards of that. And so we want to be a generous people that gives so that the mission of God moves throughout the city. We want to see about 21 locations of Church 21 planted over the next 10-ish years, right? We want to see a lot of, of movement of the gospel uh, in our city. And so that happens by the people of God being generous uh, toward um, you're really giving back to God and for his mission to keep moving forward. So you can give there, church21.ca slash give, or there's a black box in the back. If you're a visitor, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, we don't want your money. So glad that you're here. You're with us. Wrestle with Jesus. Um, the second thing is that we're going to take uh, communion, which is, um, Jesus actually told us about this in our passage today. John 6, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Um, Jesus essentially was saying, you have to take me in and let me take control of you. He wasn't saying literally eat my thigh, you know, and drink my blood. Um, and so what we do when we take communion is that we remember Jesus' death and that we're not sufficient for ourselves. So you can open that top part if you're a follower of Jesus. If you became a follower of Jesus this morning, you can take this with us as well, your first time. Amazing. And that first part is this little wafer and I always break it in my hand before taking it because Jesus said um, with his disciples, held up a little piece of bread and said, take this and eat in remembrance of me and what he's done. So go ahead and take and eat in remembrance of what Jesus did for you. The second part is this juice. Jesus held up a glass of wine and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, this new promise that I'm making with you that now we get to experience, that we are forgiven. And so take and drink in remembrance of him. And I'm going to invite the, the music duo to come back up. I want to call you a band, but it's, it's awesome. Uh, let me pray. Jesus, thank you that we get to respond to you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for dying. Thank you for being alive. Thank you for moving. Thank you for uh, the wisdom that you give to us. Help us to sit under that wisdom. Help us to be responsive to it. Uh, allow for our hearts to explode with joy this morning because um, you, didn't, you didn't stay up in your seven pillar house. Uh, you sent your messengers and you came yourself to come and get us and to bring us to yourself. So may we rejoice um, gladly that we are part of, of your house and part of your kingdom. Amen.